Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in rainy Tampa, Florida. Want to wish all the moms a happy Mother's Day. I hope everybody had a great day with their family. I had a very nice day with my mom and my stepmom. A couple of nice meals out to eat with the family. With a little bit of mixture of some NBA Game 7 action. We are going to talk primarily about the NBA playoffs in this edition. There's been some spectacular Game 7s in both the East and the West. We've got our conference final matchups in place. We're going to talk Houston Rockets, what to do there. We're going to talk Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to talk Boston, Milwaukee. And then we're going to give you a little preview of each of the conference final final matchups, both in the East and the West. Very surprised move today coming out of Cleveland with the hiring of John Beeline from Michigan. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll wrap it up. We'll talk a little PGA Championship. Can Tiger Woods go back-to-back after his dramatic Masters victory? But first, let's talk Game 7s. We had the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. And Kawhi Leonard proving to be the best player in the playoffs to to this point with a tremendous effort of 41 points on 39 shots. Incredible. Other than Kobe, I can't remember a guy who shot 39 times in a game, especially a guy like Kawhi who's not a volume shooter. But Kawhi put the Raptors on his back. The entire second half and fourth quarter in particular, where nobody on the Raptors had any interest in shooting the ball. It was nothing but a hot potato to get the ball out of my hands. Let's find a way to get it into Kawhi's hands. And Kawhi delivered with a dramatic buzzer-beating shot from the right corner. An improbable bounce. Four bounces off the rim. Two bounces off the front side rim. Bounce, bounce, then it ricochets to the back the back side of the rim for another two bounces before it drops at the buzzer to defeat the Philadelphia 76ers 92-90. The Sixers were in dismay. Joel Embiid distraught after the game. Stunned crowd in Toronto. Pandemonium breaks out. As the Raptors finally escape the misery of playoff past with Kawhi getting them to the to the conference finals to face the Milwaukee Bucks. Question is, what is the future in Philadelphia with one the coach, Brett Brown? A lot of speculation that Brown might be gone. I have a very difficult time believing that you fire Brett Brown after losing in the seventh game on the road in such dramatic fashion as you did. Obviously, there can be some questions asked about his coaching, his play calling. I mean, they they had at least 
They had multiple 24-second violations late in the game. Coming out of a timeout, could not get a shot off. Wonderment, why Joel Embiid's not playing more in the low post and why is he playing so much on the perimeter? I know Embiid's been sick and had some health issues during this round of the playoffs, but come on, Joel, you have to be on the low post. You're, you're an impact center. You're one of the top two or three centers in the entire league, if not the best center in the league. You cannot be out on the perimeter shooting so many jump shots and three-point efforts. Get on the low post. Do some damage. Even if you don't score, you're going to set up options for other guys by getting double teamed. So that would be my one my one complaint about Joel Embiid. You have Ben Simmons, who's who's basically a non-factor on the offensive end. The guy can't make a jump. The guy can't make a shot outside of the lane, outside of five feet. And I just it just I'm in amazement that a guy that's been in the league for three years is such a poor shooter, such a great ball handler, got ideal size, 6'8", 6'9", running the point, but he's an absolute liability on the offensive end when Philadelphia has the ball late in the game. You cannot trust him with the ball. He's very erratic on the foul line. He is not a any kind of perimeter shooter. If you put him, If you put him on the low block, you're basically you're basically preventing Joel Embiid from going down there, so it's a major problem that Philadelphia has to figure out in the offseason. It may be where you have to move Ben Simmons to another team in order to get a more true point guard in the mix, because a true point guard with Embiid and some of the other weapons that they potentially could have could be very dynamic. But I just don't know if Ben Simmons can be that player with his inability to shoot shoot. You know, again, outside of five or six feet, has zero threat of a three-point shot, and is, again, very suspect at the foul line. This is a critical offseason for Ben Simmons. You know, he has to show the organization he, he, he he's improving. Embiid has to get in better shape physically to where he's not such so debilitated by these minor ailments that he's been having the last couple of years. Um, you know, you cannot be in and out of the lineup with a stomach flu at this point of the playoffs. And part of it is conditioning. You have free agents galore in Philadelphia, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris. If I'm Philadelphia, I try to I, I try to sign Jimmy Butler for sure. I am not a believer in Tobias Harris as, an, as a max player. No way, no how that he's the guy a max player. He's a good player, but he's not a max player. I think J.J. Redick would be a guy, if you could keep around at the right price, would be a, would be a, a good fit. He's a good fit on that team. But I believe you, if you're Philadelphia, you have, you have a nice chemistry between Embiid and Jimmy Butler. You can keep Ben Simmons in the mix if you have Jimmy Butler. And I think they're going to make an, a big move to try to keep Butler, uh, max him out for a, probably a four-year deal to max him out. He does have a lot of mileage on his, on his tires, played a lot of minutes in his career, but... I think Jimmy Butler would be a good match with Joel Embiid. They seem to get along well. The chemistry is pretty good there. And he'd be a good number two score to where Ben Simmons could be the number three option. Hopefully give him another year to develop his perimeter game a little bit. So big questions to be answered in Philadelphia. I keep Brett Brown as the coach. Unless you could get a big name coach to come in there, a Jeff Van Gundy type of guy. 
that would be a guy that I'm. If if you're gonna make a move, I think he'd be a great candidate for Embiid, Simmons, and that whole organization. So, be very interesting to see what they do in Philadelphia. You have Toronto getting ready to face the Milwaukee Bucks, who dispose of the Boston Celtics. A major flop by Kyrie Irving after the Celtics win Game One in Milwaukee by twenty. They 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 lay an absolute egg the next four games. Kyrie Irving shoots less than 30% the last four games of the series. This guy is just not a number one option. He's a perfect number two. He can play with lots of different kind of players, but he cannot be the leader of the team. The team chemistry was terrible in Boston all year. Too many too many talented players and, not, and only one, one basketball when you have Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, too many, too many mouths to feed with only one ball. No chemistry, no rhythm with, within the offense. Uh, the Celtics were clearly a better team when Kyrie was not in the lineup. The ball moved. The flow of the offense was much better. Guys were naturally getting their shots, whereas Kyrie is just such a ball-dominant guy getting his shots. I don't believe Kyrie will be in Boston next year. I, if I'm the Celtics, I would mortgage a couple, two or three guys, Rozier. I would mortgage Tatum, and I might even throw in Marcus Smart if you could get New Orleans to take those three for Anthony Davis. Boston needs an Anthony Davis kind of guy, an alpha male, to go along with Hayward, to go along with Jalen Brown. Uh, but again, Boston needs to shake up their roster a little bit in my opinion you just can't keep winning with these six four six five guys tatum uh very much of a not not a very consistent sophomore season very erratic in the playoffs um you know i'm not a bit i'm not as high on tatum as some others are i think jalen brown probably has a little more upside in my opinion as a, as a two guard um so if i'm the celtics i do everything i can to make a trade for anthony davis um, if you can't make that trade, I still do not re-sign Kyrie Irving. Let him go. I know he's a he's a commodity and an asset, but you got to let. He's just not a good fit with that Celtic roster, and they just got manhandled by the Greek freak and the Bucks. The Bucks continue to fly under the radar. Just keep on winning games. They have depth. They have skill. They have size. They have shooting. Good coach. This is going to be a very, very tough out for the, the Raptors in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. And again, the Greek Freak is is clearly now one of the top three players in the NBA. Uh, you know, debate can be made whether it's Durant, Giannis, or LeBron is the best player. I think probably LeBron is third on that list. I think the debate's really between Giannis and Kevin Durant. Uh, but Giannis is just a absolute force, uh, incredible athleticism. Freakish size, freakish agility, and just a and just a in a, in a very much of a team player. He uh, trusts his teammates. He involves them in the offensive end. They're a good defensive team. Uh, I I really believe when it comes down to comes to shove, it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks going to the NBA Finals. I just do not think the Raptors have enough depth and enough scoring in their lineup to keep up with Milwaukee. I think uh, Giannis. Miritich, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton's just going to be too much for the Raptors from an offensive perspective. Both teams are good defensive teams. I think I think 
Kawhi will get his points, but I just do not think the supporting cast in the bench is going to be enough. The, 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 the Raptor bench, which was touted as a strength, has just been absolutely porous in the in the postseason so far. So I, I really think when you when you break it down, I think I think Milwaukee's going to win the series in five games. I think it'll be a fairly ho hum series, and the, then the big question will be what does Kawhi Leonard do? Does he stay in Toronto to be a rock star in Toronto, or does he kind of go back to his, you know, the perceived his perceived roots of Southern California? Lots of speculation that he wants to be back in L.A. Not necessarily with the Lakers, but with the Clippers potentially. Does he stay in Toronto? Does he maybe go to? Is there any sense that he maybe goes to New York? I don't think so, but I think the I think the 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 odds are he either stays in Toronto or heads out to the Clippers, would be my guess. Let's move to the Western Conference, where we had the the news of the week was the cut the the, the injury of Kevin Durant in Game Five of the Rockets and the Warriors, a just Incredible effort by the Warriors. Durant goes down late third quarter of game five. The game is tied going to the fourth quarter in a game that the Rockets had every opportunity to steal and take firm control of the series. The Warriors get out of game five with a W. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, huge, could have been the last game ever in Oracle Arena. Everybody in the in the around the NBA, everybody watching figures Houston's going to hold serve in game six and obviously go back to Golden State for a game seven. And lo and behold, Houston throws up on themselves in game six at home. Horrific performance in the second half. You know, you hold Steph Curry to no points in the first half and you let him go off for 33 points in the second half. Just embarrassing. James Harden, Chris Paul, again, stat stuffers in the regular season, meaningless points, meaningless assists. When it's crunch time, these two guys just have not been able to get it done. You know, whether it's a system that they play in Houston where they shoot so many three-point shots, it's either three-pointers or or layups is what they shoot. They don't shoot mid-range. They have no mid-range game. They don't have any kind of post-play. You know, the the isolation one-on-one ball that, that James Harden just thrives in, that kind of ball, that kind of offensive strategy can work in the regular season when there's 82 games, but when teams can, can scheme for just you, that kind of activity is not has not proven to be successful ever. Harden, great player, but he dribbles too much. He does not involve his teammates enough, you know, most teams will let if James Harden gets his 35 or 40, whoop de doo, you're able to contain the other guys, the Gordons, the Chris Pauls, the Capellas, and the Houston Rockets just cannot find a way to get over the hump with the Golden State Warriors. A deplorable finish to their season in Houston. Steph Curry, sensational in the second half. Three balls, layups. Defensively, they're they're excellent. Great job by Steve Kerr incorporating the bench in game six. Steve Kerr kind of had to play it both ways. He needed to keep his stars, Thompson, Durant, and I mean, excuse me, Thompson, Curry, and Draymond fresh for a potential game seven. But yet, if he had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, he was going to go for it. And exactly what happened his bench kept him in the game in the first half. Curry came alive in the second half. Thompson continued his good play. Draymond, 
as the facilitator and just making big shot after big shot. The Warriors just own the Rockets. They've knocked them out four out of the last five years from the playoffs. And again, there's major questions to be answered in Houston. Can you continue with Harden and Chris Paul? Problem is, who's going to take Chris Paul's $35 million contract for the next three years? Nobody. You know, you would have to rebuild the entire team if you got rid of Mike D'Antoni, which I don't think you're going to do. So the question is, do you do you do you run do you run this same crew out one more year and hope the Warriors get decimated by in free agency with Durant leaves, potentially Boogie Cousins leaves? Remember, the Warriors without Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins, and they still lose a game six in their building to the Warriors. I mean, just a d- disaster. For those of you that are analytics. And that are that are believers in the analytics. This is why analytics is a bit overrated, in my opinion. Harden numbers are great, analytics are great. Chris Paul, same deal. Eric Gordon, but when it's crunch time, big moments, analytics goes out the window, and you got to have playmakers, and you got to have guys that are pressure players. And the Rockets just do not have enough pressure players. Harden and Chris Paul just continue to come up small in big moments. The Warriors will now advance to play the Portland Trailblazers, who went on the road to Denver Game 7 in a great game against the Nuggets. Lillard underperforms, but they get a huge effort out of C.J. McCollum, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, Come up small in their first ever game seven. Jokic is tremendous as as the, for the Nuggets. Again, he and Joel Embiid are probably the two best big men in the league. Jokic is a guy that's come out of nowhere the last couple of years and is absolutely a franchise player. You know, youth. The Nuggets had never been in this situation before, so it doesn't surprise me that they came up a little short. <clears throat> I did expect them to get through Game 7. I thought they had too much front court play with Millsap, Jokic, and just enough perimeter play with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and a deep bench at home. But the Trailblazers show a lot of guts, a lot of grit. The backcourt is just devastating for for Portland. Damian, Dame Time, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, again, Big performances out of Rodney Hood. Enos Cantor playing very well in the low post for, for the Blazers. And they will now meet the Golden State Warriors, which will which will be an up-and-down series. Both teams are guard-oriented. A lot of threes. It'll be up and down. I just don't think the Blazers have enough firepower to stay with the Warriors. Though it looks like Kevin Durant will will miss at least the first two games of the series. I would not be surprised if Durant misses most of the series. Because when you when you strain a calf, that is not a one-week injury. That is typically a you know 14 to 17 day kind of injury to get fully healthy. But we'll see. I think Steve Kerr will probably play. We'll probably manage the, the the series situation. Will determine when when Durant probably comes back. I think if Golden State's out in front of the series and he's going to take as much time as he can take, but if 
Golden State were down two games to one, something like that, then you might see Durant in game four. So, again, key to this series, it's going to be Lillard and McCollum versus Thompson and Curry. You're going to have Cantor versus the combination of Looney and Bogut in the post. You're going to have Draymond Green matched up. Uh, again, very deep, not a good bench for, for Portland. Um, I think you're going to see more of the bench for Golden State in the series. Great performance by Kevon Looney in the in the semifinals versus Houston. He played some big minutes. I think you're going to see some Bogut in this series. You'll see some Livingston. So I think it'll be a very well-played series. I think it'll be back and forth. I think Portland will win at least one game, potentially a second game. I could see this game going this series going six games, but I do see the Golden State Warriors advancing to the NBA Finals to play the Milwaukee Bucks. Big news today out of Cleveland. We're going to talk about some coaching situations briefly. Cleveland has hired one John Beeline, the University of Michigan Wolverine coach, in kind of a surprising move. Beeline is 67 years old, been a great Done a great job at Michigan, leading the Wolverines to the Final Four multiple times. Beeline gets a lot of credit for being a player, a development guy. He can develop players, young players. Cleveland's going to have a young team. They're going to have a high pick in the draft. I think this move was a big. It's going to be a big payday for Beeline. I think the, the the word hasn't come out yet, but I would not be surprised if he's getting paid seven or eight million dollars per year, five year contract. And if you're John Beeline, you're 67 years old. One, you, you you'll get a huge payday for being for being the coach for the next five years. And two, if you're ever going to make them, you know, you're you're at the end of the road. If you if you're ever gonna, had the had the uh, had the ego to want to coach in the NBA, here's your chance. The team's probably going to struggle for a couple years, but it'll be interesting to see how John Beeline uh, handles the NBA life. It's a lot longer season, 82 games. He's an older guy. Again, he's known for offense and player development, so we'll see how he goes. So that was a very interesting move. The other big move, coaching-wise, was in L.A., where the clown show finally found a coach, one Frank Vogel, with the caveat that one Jason Kidd is going to be a part of that staff as a prominent, as basically the number one assistant. You know, if you're Frank Vogel, obviously – it's not an ideal situation, but you take the job because you because you're one of 30 NBA coaches. It's only a three-year deal, which coincides with the length of LeBron's contract. Again, it's a payday for if you're Frank Vogel. It's a you know it's a guaranteed 15 million dollar payday. Um, but you're going to be looking over your shoulder every single day with Jason Kidd on your staff. You're going to have a guy that's I won't say trying to stick you in the you know stab you in the back, but it's been it's been shown over his last couple jobs. That kid is all about, you know, power plays, trying to take control of the team type deal. And it's just going to be a very interesting dynamic with Jason Kidd on the bench. Again, the Lakers are in full disarray in the front office. Who's calling the shots? Is it Jeannie Buss? Is it Rob Palinka? Is it the Rambus? Is it Kurt Rambus? How much influence does Phil Jackson have in this decision? Lots of speculation that Phil Jackson endorsed this Frank Bogle hire. Ty Lue tells the Lakers to get lost, but they offer him a three-year deal. Though I would say, Ty Lue, you're no, you're, you ain't Red Auerbach, buddy. 
Uh, I know you you feel insulted by not getting a uh, five-year contract, but please, bro, please. Um, you know, the good thing for Ty Lue is he's sitting on $10 million from the, from the Cleveland Cavaliers that they still owe him, so he's in not a hurry to have to get back into coaching. But again, nobody's knocking down Ty Lue's door to, to beg him to be the head coach. So I was a little surprised he didn't take the job. He had a good relationship with LeBron. Even though it's three years, if you win, you're going to get more than three years. So basically, if you win games, you're going to get your contract extended. So that's my, you know, I don't I don't get that if you're Ty Lue. But again, lots of pressure now on LeBron James in that front office to be able to recruit a free agent. They have got to get a big-time free agent, whether it's Kyrie, Kawhi, maybe, Dur I doubt Durant, but you never know. Jimmy Butler, one of those guys have got to go to L.A. this summer to team up with LeBron, or it's going to be another or it could be another potential disaster in L.A. and it's going to be a, a poor ending in L.A. for the for the Lakers. The big players look out for the Clippers and free agency with Kawhi. They may try to sign two elite free agents, maybe a Durant Kawhi combination, maybe a Kawhi, uh, you know, Demarcus Cousins type situation. Obviously, the Knicks are going to be in the fold for free agents. They're going to be looking for Durant and Kyrie to team up, potentially. The Knicks are I think the Knicks will get at least one free agent, either Durant or Kyrie, potentially both of them. You never know. They could get a Kemba Walker, who's got roots at Connecticut. So we'll see how that goes. So all that's going to be coming up in, in, in late June, 1st of July, with all this free agency. But the Lakers finally have a coach. Would not be would not shock me if there's a blow up in that front office in the next year, and obviously Jason Kidd will be the coach in a year if he if if, if things go awry with Frank Vogel, you know, a lot of suspect things in Jason Kidd's personal background, some domestic violence, some you know assault charges, things like that. So he's not he's not going to be on anybody's uh, he's not going to be a choir boy for anybody. So very interesting how the Lakers are going to try to don't want to hire Jason Kidd to be the head coach now, but they'll have no problem promoting him to be the head coach in a year and a half or two, less less than two years if need be. I just don't understand that. If you're gonna if you think he can be the head coach, make him the head coach. Take your beating in the media, or don't hire him at all. So lots of lots of interesting things going on in L.A. Draft lotteries this week. The Zion sweepstakes are in full effect, baby. Tuesday night, we'll see if the New York Knicks can hit that lucky magic magic ping pong ball like they did with Patrick Ewing. The Knicks need a strike stroke of luck to turn that franchise around. That franchise could be turned around immediately if they were to get Zion Williams, the number one pick potentially get Kyrie, potentially get Kevin Durant. Zion could be a bargaining chip for Anthony Davis as well. So if you if you were able to get the number one pick, Zion, if you're the Knicks, you could potentially package that pick to the New Orleans Hornets in a package that could bring Anthony Davis to New York. And you could pair him up with another big free agent. I don't know if the Knicks would do that, but that's, an, again, another option for the Knicks is you could use Zion as a bargaining chip for, for Anthony Davis if you really fall in love with Anthony Davis. If you if you if you were to strike out with Durant or Irving, you could get Anthony Davis potentially. I think New Orleans would definitely 
make a deal if they were to get Zion Williamson in return with some other assets. But we'll see what happens in the Big Apple, baby. Top three prospects in this draft are obviously Zion Williamson, Ja Morant, the point guard out of Murray State, who's going to be a, a tremendous athlete, point guard, shooter. And you have R.J. Barrett out of Duke. Those are the three big names that I think everybody's going to be vying for in the top three picks. I think the order is pretty, I won't say, I think Zion will be the clear number one pick, and I guess the number two or three pick will kind of be a, a team's choice of what, what their flavor is, whether it's Morant or Barrett. You have some good European players that are going to be in the draft, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this how the draft unfolds as far as the lottery goes and what teams are willing to make a move up or down, make a big trade in order to position themselves for the unrestricted free agency in July. A lot of big names out there. Durant, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler. So a lot of names out there. Kawhi Leonard. A lot of moving parts about who goes where. And, and honestly, none of us have any idea what's going to happen. So last thing we'll talk about is the PGA Championship. Beth Page up in Long Island, New York. Beth Page Black has hosted two United States Opens. They're hosting their first PGA. They're going to host the Ryder Cup. The cool thing about Beth Page Black, it is a municipal course, meaning it is a public golf course that any of us can go play. Very difficult, very long. If you remember the raucous crowds from the early 2000s when the U.S. Opens were there, Tiger Woods won in 2002, Lucas Glover won in 2009. Mickelson was a fan favorite out there. You know, you have you have Tiger Woods coming off it, off of his incredible, dramatic Masters win. You had Phil Mickelson. You had Brooks Kepka was in the mix at the Masters. DJ was in the mix at the Masters. I think Rory McIlroy is going to have a big performance this week. I think you're going to see Phil Mickelson be in the mix. Some rain early in the in the week here. Uh, so far at Beth Page, which might make the golf course longer but yet softer. So it'll be interesting to see if Tiger Woods can rebound. He has not played a tournament since the Masters. That's a little – I don't know if I like that with Tiger Woods. I wish he'd have played at least once following the Masters. The weather's supposed to be fairly cool throughout the week in the 60s. I don't think it's going to be – it's not going to be a sunshiny 75, 85-degree type of tournament. I think it's going to be a little bit more overcast, a little chillier. <coughs> How does that affect Tiger Woods in his, in his injury history, in his body? We'll have to wait and see. Justin Thomas is withdrawn this week due to a wrist injury. But again, this should be a long hitter's course. This course is, demands accuracy off the tee. Again, I think you're going to have your big hitters are going to be in the mix. Tiger, Brooks, Rory, DJ, uh, Phil Mickelson. This is, the, this is the change in the golf schedule. The PGA tournament's usually in August. They've moved it to May now, where it's now the second master, the ma second major on the, on, the, on the calendar. So, again, it will be very interesting to see how that plays out with the weather conditions up in New York. The crowds will definitely be raucous and very energetic with the New York crowd. So it'll be a very cool week to see. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction. I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a Rory winner. 
My wild card is going to, I think, I think Tiger's going to be in the mix, but I think Rory comes out on top. And my wild card sleeper is going to be Phil Mickelson. He's, he's enjoyed playing at Beth Page. He's done very well at Beth Page. I, th I still think Phil Mickelson has one more huge run in him for a major. And this is the type of course that I think he can navigate well. He's hitting the ball a little straighter than he has been. His putting has been pretty good. He's been fairly consistent. I'm going to go Rory with Phil Mickelson as my sleeper prediction for the 2019 PGA Championship. Check us out on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Powers on Sports Podcast. Reach out to us on Twitter at Kick the FB, like football, but FB. Kick the FB is our Twitter feed. Let us know how we're doing. Love to hear from you. If you got questions about something, comments, shoot us a note. Powers on Sports Podcast. We'll see you next time.